0: Another defeat, more soul-searching and plenty of questions to answer. We plan to get stuck into plenty of them. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. I am your host, Connor Southwell, joined as ever by Paddy Davitt and Sam Seaman to reflect on a very disappointing day in uh, in Bristol, a 1-0 defeat for Norwich City at Ashton Gate. And there is uh, plenty of fallout and plenty of stuff to pick through. Um, and it's uh, it's going to be quite an interesting podcast. I get the sense um, this uh, podcast is, of course, coming to you in association with Future Radio. As ever, you can listen to a show in full on there on Wednesday evenings. Mr. Davitt, uh, let's start with you. This was um, a- another disappointing defeat for Norwich City. I think we were all patiently waiting to see what the response would be like to that defeat to Burnley last weekend. Um, what we got was a pretty under par. Um, pretty inconsistent, but by that I mean a consistently inconsistent performance from Norwich City. And probably, as I said in in the intro, a lot of questions that people are now asking about this group, its quality, and whether it is capable of reaching the top six of the Championship. I I guess the first question to start with really is, why do we keep finding ourselves back here with with Norwich City?
1: Well, I mean, ultimately, Connor, it comes down to you know the shield that was Dean Smith has departed, so so we need to given that we're now getting the same types of performance result, and as a result, questions off the back of that. You need to train your focus elsewhere. It wasn't solely down to Dean Smith and all that he wasn't able to do with this group, and um, and you've seen you've seen the reaction post full time at Ashton Gate on Saturday evening that you know it's the players who are a common denominator. They span. The previous regime and this one, in terms of the coach, and and obviously uh, above them, it's let's be honest. You know anybody who's been on social media will see uh, Stuart Weber. It's you know the people who've shaped the direction of travel, um, and specifically Stuart Weber, because again, a lot of this will come back round or has done already in the aftermath to recruitment uh, um, and equipping a group of players, refreshing a group of players to be better than as they are at the minute, 30-odd games in, 10th in the table, four points out of the top six, never mind anywhere near the top two conversation. So, you know, in the quest for answers, I think the gaze will inevitably settle on the man who's driven, uh, the direction of travel, uh, and this group of players, because fundamentally uh, they look a long way short of what we all felt maybe... Misplaced faith, but uh, nevertheless, before a ball was kicked this season at Cardiff, a, a, a squad who would be good enough to get in the shake-up, they look a long way short of that. Uh, and in the quest for answers, it's inevitable that you'll look at the people who've been here over the course and distance. For me, you know, Burnley one week, Bristol City the following week. Burnley, you can package that—that uh, that you've effectively got a. a, a Team, a head coach in Vincent Company, and a club more broadly who are Premier League bound and they look like that. Um, so you can, as, as frustrating as it was to, to be witness to what unfolded at Car Road and because of the individual errors that culminated in that defeat or the scale of that defeat, you can package that for what it was. But then to to turn up at Bristol, perform as, as they did, David Wagner coming out afterwards and saying that first half is an acceptable... The goal that decided the game rooted again in individual errors from from number of players, and we'll get into that in due course. And then at the other end of the pitch, you know, 63% possession, one recorded shot on target, Timu Puki near post, clawed round the post. That is nowhere near good enough. And for it to come against a team who, you know, had, had only won, I think, one other game at home in the league since, I think it was October the 12th, who, if you look at the home form in the championship, they were one place above Norwich, one place above Norwich, who, as we know, have been chronically diabolical at Carrow Road. And yet they, as Wagner said, deserve to win that game. So Burnley was dispiriting, but Bristol was probably the point where maybe a lot of fans have felt, okay, time for a reset. Find that button if you can, because it's all about rebuilding for next season, and that's going to be in the championship and there may be a smaller segment who are still willing, with games and points to play for, to to harbour hope. But it is more hope than any real tangible belief. Fundamentally, this group look like they've reached the end of the road, um, and there will have to be a huge churn over the summer. and uh, And and the question is: Is Stuart Weber the person to drive that forward?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to come back to the reset. We've we've asked for for, for questions for the podcast, as we always do from, from you guys, and we've had plenty in, and a lot of them are on that theme. So we, we, we will come back to kind of talk of a reset and talk of a refresh later in the show. But Sam, just to purely focus on, on this game, I mean, Paddy kind of said it there. If you were to categorise it from an Ori City perspective, you'd end up kind of using the two words, unopposed errors or unforced errors or individual mistakes. That It, it feels like it was a game completely littered with, with just... Error after error after error. Some of them were, were excusable. Some of them certainly weren't. Some of them came in possession. Some of them came out of possession. The goal is just a, a, an utter catalogue of errors. We, we've seen that throughout this season. There was that stat after the Burnley game, wasn't there, about how Norwich City, no team in the Championship, have made more errors leading to shots than, than Norwich City. The goal comes from Kieran Dowell. You can argue it's a foul. I, I think he's lost possession pretty cheaply by turning into um, a pretty poor area, and, and again, there's structural reasons for that. Then, obviously, there's the inability to to stop the the, the ball through, and then there's uh, there's Angus Gunn's error for the goal. But it feels it feels like we kind of keep finding ourselves in this position. We keep talking about Norwich City and individual errors. I mean, in possession, it was as as Paddy said, particularly in the first half, just utterly woeful, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, and I think this is this is why a lot of fans are now looking at it and deciding that the players aren't good enough as opposed to looking at the manager as they obviously did with Dean Smith and and perhaps um, as they have previously because the number of these players on the pitch not performing to the standards that they could be and I've seen a lot of comments saying that perhaps this squad has been slightly overrated and that people have been talking up their credentials to an extent that's greater than what they deserve but there's no doubt they should be performing better than this. And I'm not saying, you know, I've seen Burnley play, I've seen Sheffield United play, and I'm not saying this is the best squad in the Championship as much as we continue to hear it from the players. But it's a team that shouldn't be where they are. And I thought that Bristol game really highlighted exactly where things are going wrong. There were so many times where there were just passes that you felt weren't quite where they should be. Players failing to take chances. I remember at one point Marcelino Nunez just spinning the ball out. He was in the middle of the pitch. Norwich had control possession. He just spins a high ball out for a throw-in with no real indication of what he was trying to do with it. So the number of those players who look back on their performances in recent weeks and feel that they've done what they could have is probably limited to one or two in Grant Hanley and Kenny McLean. Other than that, it's difficult to highlight anybody who has even been average and was even average at Ashton Gate yesterday um so it's quite concerning that this problem seems to be chronic and it seems to be spreading across the dressing room after we had those signs of encouragement at Preston and Coventry because that increasingly is looking like a sort of new manager bounce and as much as I don't want to criticize David Wagner it feels like the structural changes and the um long term solutions we felt we might be seeing the signs of in those two away games really were just very short term bursts and improvements from players because they're straight back to the sorts of performances we were used to seeing under Dean Smith and the performances that have led to the position they're in currently it's so difficult to see them now with the games coming thick and fast turning their own performances around quick enough to find themselves in that promotion mix come the end of the season so yeah it's really difficult to look at that performance with any sort of optimism they lacked creativity um, they lacked penetration. The movement was really poor. And then to top it off, they concede a goal with a few avoidable errors. And when you put all those those things together, even against a Bristol City side who I don't think anyone was particularly impressed with, you're not going to come away with anything in the championship. And um, it's very worrying for the rest of the season. Yeah,
0: and, and and the league table as well makes for for really really tough reading from an Ori City perspective at the moment. They 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 sit tenth uh, on forty two points. That's four points behind Watford in sixth, uh, and if you want to go in the other direction, it's it's also four points behind uh, head off sorry Reading in eighteenth. I mean, they are bang in the middle of the road, Paddy. This is this is not how this season was supposed to go. We, we've heard it as Sam says from players. We've heard it from We certainly heard it from Dean Smith when he was in charge. We heard it from Stuart Webber when he he sat down with the club channels in the summer talking about uh, the squad and the quality of the squad. And we're constantly now seeing a misalignment between how people are talking about this squad as being one of the best on paper and having really good players and having players who could be playing at Premier League level and uh, players who are getting touted with moves for, for relatively big money or have done in the past. So what we're seeing on the pitch in terms of those performances, which is actually... A team sitting 10th in the championship but at the moment feels desperately short of what's going to be required to get in the top six come come May so why why is there that that conflict I suppose in terms of how people are talking about this squad and I mean that internally but also externally to what we're seeing on the pitch at this moment in time a big 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 question but it, it feels like quite a crucial one to understanding why Norwich City find themselves in, in in kind of the situation that they are at this moment in time.
1: Absolutely and you know, fundamentally, you know, a lot of football is based on opinions and and you can use facts and you can interpret facts in different ways and and they can put a different slant on things. But what isn't in doubt is is the league table. The league table doesn't lie. That's the old cliche, but it is true. It's certainly this accelerated part of the campaign. It, there's no doubt that I didn't see, well, the result tells you, yesterday against the Bristol team who aren't, you know, the biggest hitters. I know they have aspirations with, with a with their owner to try and get into the Premier League. That that's probably a city that could sustain Premier League football um, in terms of the population. But if, if you actually look at their squad and look where they are on the table, that you know, was there any discernible difference in terms of the the two sets of players on, on the evidence of that ninety minutes at Ashton Gate? And that that shouldn't be the case. You know, you can lose games. Nigel Pearson came in afterwards in his media and said, "Look, you're going to lose games in the Championship. It doesn't matter who you are, unless." Maybe Burnley are the exception to the rule in Sheffield United, but the others, majority of the others, they will lose games. That's that's that is the championship, the grueling nature of it. Um but you know t- to look at that, I mean I just I focus in on that midfield and you know, Nunes and, and Zara and Dal and the way they were physically unable to cope with the pressing and the intensity and the energy that those Bristol players and and, and maybe If if it's a debate about quality, then, you know, you can debate that those players I've mentioned in in green and yellow are the equal of their Bristol counterparts in in those areas of the pitch. But it takes more than that, certainly takes more than that to get out of this division. And, um, you know, I'm not singling him out for, for any extra attention, but Zara, he does some really nice things on the ball. You can see the quality he's got. But then the way he gets overrun and pressed and harried and turned over every game, Um, Nunes likewise, you know, we saw that in his makeup at the start of the season, but what he was bringing to the party outweighed the negatives. But, and maybe with those two, you've got to give them some slack, you know, for all the reasons we know, new country, new team, new new way of life, really, it's probably going to you'd probably have to write this season off. Unfortunately, Norwich couldn't really afford to deal in those, um, you know, scenarios. They really needed Zara and Nunes both to hit the ground running to inject some, in terms of what looked like a stale group of players, to inject something else. But it hasn't happened, not over the entirety of the piece. And it it might be next season before you see those two producing consistently what we've seen in glimpses. But, that midfield isn't fit for purpose. What's Liam Gibbs doing coming on and ostensibly playing down the right-hand side? That's not his role. He couldn't affect the game in any way. He operates in the middle of the park. So, you know, that's on Wagner. I don't know what he sees. I, I don't know why why we keep turning to Onel Hernandez. It's maybe a reflection of the, the 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 dearth of stocks in wide areas. We know Marquinhos and, and Jolis were, were not available yesterday. Um, Rashid has obviously been dispatched to Turkey early in the season. Uh, Pueheta isn't fit. Currently, neither is Johnny Rowe. So things could change in that area of the pitch. But his end product isn't good enough, never has been good enough. So, you know, you've got, I'm afraid to say, you've got some very average Championship players now um, and also players who probably are better than Championship grade who who either can't raise their levels consistently. That'll be a case in point. Look at him in the first two or three games under Wagner. Now, the last two games, Josh Sargent, where's he gone in the last few games? from his pre-World Cup levels anyway. Um, but also it's, are they being accommodated in, a, in a, a template that allows them to express themselves? And that ultimately, the focus for that clearly falls on Smith originally and his coaching team and now Wagner. But, you, you know, you have to say Wagner, you can't hold him to account. He's four games in. He's won two, he's lost two in the league. So, you know, I know football is infested with short-terminism, but it, we um, would ridiculously quick to start pointing fingers in his direction. He's barely getting to know the names of these players, let alone in accommodating them into a template that is going to be good enough to get them at the right end of the table. That's going to take time. And unfortunately, time, as I wrote yesterday, isn't a commodity that he really had. You know, because they had hung on with Dean Smith, they went through that cycle where the World Cup pause came. They went off to Tampa with Dean Smith, came back. He clearly, reading between the lines, had two or three games to prove he could turn it round. won the Swansea game. Scratchily, but still won the game. Then we know what happened against Blackburn. Then we know what happened against Luton. He goes, and Dean and, and Dean Smith is replaced uh, halfway through a season. You know, so ultimately, it's not hindsight to say that maybe Wagner might have been able to by this stage, if he'd have been in from November onwards, it might have been slightly different, slightly more optimistic. As it is, if it, it, the results in the league tell you, it's a step forward, a step back, and if that continues, and they're going to plateau to. More or less, where they are in the table now, they they may have a go at trying to get in and around the top six. But frankly, I think it's heading to a, sort of a sixth to tenth position for me in terms of final position. And then it's it'll it'll actually become as we get towards the end of the season. And, and it looks like the playoffs are beyond them. It, it will be it'll be, it really will become just get the season over with, get these games out of the way, and then let's crack on. Which I think we all hoped was going to happen last summer. Albeit we we understood that there wasn't going to be a huge churn to the squad, but that that refresh. Dean Smith would have been able to produce that, you know, in terms of, right, a full pre-season to work with these players, to impart his ideas, freed from the the pressure of trying to win games in the Premier League with a substandard squad. Never happened, did it? So, you know, albeit 12 months late, uh, it's going to have to happen this summer because if it doesn't, then where did Norwich go from here?
0: In, indeed, indeed, and uh, and again, um, we we will we will speak about that that this kind of idea of a of a reset. I just wanted to kind of speak about uh, a couple of a couple of really good kind of mathematical stuff, which uh, me and maths don't really go together particularly well. But I, even I can understand these, so, that, so that's good. And this is courtesy of the um, of the points per game profit on, on on Twitter, who does some really good work. But uh, so so two tables he's he's kind of produced. The first is um, last five games average points per game. Uh, and there are six teams over the last five games in the championship who have averaged two points or more. That, of course, is kind of the total that people speak about. You need to to get promoted from this level. Uh, that is Millwall, Luton, Bristol City are one of them, Sheffield United, Middlesbrough and Burnley. But perhaps more interestingly, Norwich, by the way, in terms of that table, sat in 11 for 1.2 point, uh, points per game over their last five. But more interestingly is um, where... Kind of, they sit in, in in terms of if you were to stretch this out until now in the end of the season, and uh, he, this person has, has produced a, a league table based on current points per game of, of of each side. That would put Norwich tenth currently if they if they maintain this points per game level that they they're currently on. That would in, uh, basically mean that they finish the season with sixty three points, uh, and uh, and on that points per game ratio, if it was to stay the same, and of course these things will fluctuate, it would mean that they they finish nine points behind West Brom in sixth. Now, if that was to come true it would be very difficult to paint this season as anything but an unmitigated disaster obviously plenty of, of twists and turns we know what the championship is like in terms of that but Sam I mean it, it kind of feels like and again maybe I'll ask this question to both of you but it maybe felt like this, w- this was the game that most people have kind of gone yeah okay this team is not good enough to to get promoted from this division this season Is is that is that fair?
2: Yeah that's the the temperature I'd say I've gauged from from various people's reaction and from sort of consulting the fan base a little bit, it does feel like the wind has gone out of the sails finally. And it felt like under Dean Smith, as much as there was a real frustration and a real irritation, I think there was the, the joker in the pack that you could fire the manager and you could change the landscape in that way. And Norwich fans probably felt that as much as the, the landscape looked pretty grim at that time if you know if they had such a big option and such a big change available to them that things could change now that they've used that and the january transfer window has been and gone doesn't look like there are any arrivals in that window that are going to make an enormous impact especially given um wagner's verdict on sort of marquinhos injury situation um and now that all of those available changes are gone there's nothing they can do to improve this squad between now and the end of the season, um, it feels like Norwich fans have, have ran out of options and they've, they've looked at the situation they're in presently and said, OK, with this squad, promotion is too far away and even the playoffs are too far away. And I think what's twinned with that is this idea that promotion would be futile anyway because this team could not compete in the Premier League and it may even end up being more embarrassing than the last two times they've been at the top table so I do get the sense a little bit that that belief has gone and that any optimism left in the fan base has has drained considerably at least there are probably still a a few out there you know I I don't wish to paint this picture of everyone being um doom and gloom and and sort of force it on everybody but you know so I do imagine there's probably a small minority that still feel um Norwich are in playoff contention and that the promotion dream is alive but I think the majority of these fans who have been through a significant amount in the last few years and have really had very little to celebrate, especially in stadiums, um, are just a bit sick of it now and they've sort of given up and they've sort of decided that 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 ambition is beyond them. And, you know, this has been an unbelievable fan base, so it's not me criticising them. I'm not saying they've done the wrong thing and I'm sure they'll still be turning out, you know, week in, week out, supporting this team to the best of their ability, even 1-0 down at Bristol City, witnessing one of the worst performances of the season. They were singing songs throughout and they were looking to generate that atmosphere and get behind the team. But you can totally understand anybody who looks at that team and says, okay, they're not not performing well enough to push themselves back into that mix that they wish they were in. Um, And it is a shame, really, to see this this sort of scenario play out because we've seen it before in 2017, when I think a long while before mathematically it was impossible. We knew that Norwich wouldn't be promoted back up to the Premier League. And it feels like we're getting closer and closer to that scenario. I think David Wagner will probably highlight that there are still plenty of games left. There's probably still plenty of points to play for. And mathematically, the gap isn't that big. But when you look at the number of teams between Norwich and that playoff, those playoff places and you think about how much better they're playing and how the mem- momentum is shifting across the league, it really is going to be difficult. And I think there were probably a lot of chats throughout the fan base on Saturday that said, OK, that's it, and moved on to that rebuild that I know we're going to talk about because these fans want to see success as soon as possible. And many of them don't believe that's going to be in the coming months, unfortunately. Um, so let's hope they can find a way of regalvanizing that support who've given them everything they can in the last few months and, um, you know, look for a, a sort of a way out because at the moment it's very difficult to see any hope um, from a Norwich City point of view.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, and you're right, until it becomes impossible uh, and the numbers become impossible, David Wagner is going to say that, that that it is, uh, they have to fight for it. And of course, they, they do. And um, there is, you could construct an argument to say that they could go on a run uh, and that they could get themselves in the top six. But but even then, to, to what end would kind of be my my question? Because you, you, you're right. you right, then you get promoted and, and actually kind of that rebuild that we're going to speak about in a little bit would, feels like it would have to kind of happen anyway, irrespective of outcome now this season. But, but kind of that, that graph that I referenced earlier, Pad, that basically if you stretch the current points per game model between now and May, which is not unfeasible, it's what basically the level that Norwich City have been performing to throughout this season. So in many ways, it's kind of the best metric to use at this moment in time because we've got a big body of evidence now in this division. It would put Norwich 10th on 63 points, nine outside the playoff, just for a bit of context on that. Um, the 16-17 season which is probably it feels like the most comparable season to this current one right in terms of a group of players who everyone kind of described as being the best in the championship but really underperformed to put that into context that group of players under partly Alex Neil, but but also uh, Alan Irvine towards the end uh, they finished in eighth with 70 points so that would mean that this group using that points per game method would uh, would finish seven points worse off I mean it's 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 not it's not great is it you can't you can't Really, spin any positives in terms of how this season has has gone. Even if now it does end in some kind of miraculous charge to the playoffs and and, and some kind of Wembley high point um, that that leads to a Premier League return.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll, I mean, both you lads have said, well, they're, they're not fit for purpose if they go up, and nobody would disagree. But I mean, they'd, they'd snatch your hand off to to get the access to the, the billions, of, well, the millions, as it would be in Norwich's share. Premier League, and they'd worry about it. the Ghost of Dean Smith, I distinctly recall, sat in the Villa Park press room once Premier League demotion for the second time was confirmed um, sort of May of last year. and and he was getting asked about it was almost like, well, it's a given. You're going to come straight back because that that club had been set up to do that twice before. Um, are you are you going to be able to, you know, be better in the Premier League? And he basically stopped the question dead and said, you know, I'll worry about that when we get there. Well, unfortunately, he doesn't need to worry about it, not in a Norwich um, perspective anyway. But uh, if Norwich could somehow or other from here engineer a position in the Premier League next season, then... then uh then even if even if it, it tailed off again for a third time at that level, I think it's going to be still something miraculous, though, isn't it? I mean, Say all, all
0: of all of the evidence that that we've seen across this season so far and this group of players suggests that that's just not going to going to happen, is it? I mean, I mean, it would have to t- it would have to be quite some effort from here, and, no. and probably some kind of miraculous effort to be. Yeah, no, no. I no, no, be
1: no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that, that I I said it in my earlier answer. I, I think they'll finish sixth to tenth now. Yeah, but yeah. what I'm saying is, you boys were almost saying, well, if they go up. What would happen? They'd come straight back down again. They may well do, but the financial financial element of going back up again, you, you, because and it's pertinent, and we'll probably get into this at some point later on in the pod because uh, Monday is obviously another signpost to potentially a change in the shareholder structure and what that might mean more broadly in terms of ownership and, and incoming investment because that needs to happen because they're in quite a you know a challenging situation if you if you take your temperature from the last set of published accounts and you know. I think even the wording of when they teed up that this uh, general meeting was going to be happening uh, in the middle of, November, uh, middle of February, it was something to do with the, to ensure the sustainability of the financial position or words to that effect. Um, they're in a they're in a sticky spot. There's no doubt about it. And that will limit. Unfortunately, it's pertinent because it will limit what they can do this summer, whether that would be, as it looks increasingly likely, rebuild um, or you know even in a in a best case scenario going back into the premier league and and the money they'd need to spend to improve this to to actually improve themselves or at least have a fighting chance of being competitive in the premier league but that i think that's for the birds that, that element that's not not going to happen clearly so you know fundamentally i i think i think wagner will over the what remains of the season probably find an upturn and probably harness some consistency maybe not enough to get themselves in the playoff picture um, or even if they did get in the top six and so maybe then see see the deal through and get them get them navigating via Wembley to the, to the Premier League so in terms of the comparisons with with the, that Neil slash uh, Alan Irvin season I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they get up and around that points tally but as I say it's it's really about and to to take that example, of course, what happened then was that Farker came in, and they had a very very bumpy first season under him. I think they finished below Ipswich; they were fifteenth in the championship. Heaven help us if that's what we're in for, and it's a, it's another consolidation season at this level next season and lower half um, before Wagner is able to lead them back to the promised land. That, I would I would certainly hope that that's where the parallels would end in terms of that Neil Irving Farker changing of the guard that given Wagner's been over the course and distance, very similar in terms of when he came in at Huddersfield, it took him half a season, and then we know what he did next season, the following season. So it feels like a lot will be made of that if this plays out as we expect between now and the end of the season, that, okay, it hasn't worked. We know why it hasn't worked. We've got the man who can put it right, and on we go. But as we discussed right at the outset, unfortunately, he's only part of the equation. It involves Stuart Webber. It involves potentially, you know, what's going to happen in the boardroom over the summer. Um, And it certainly involves finding the finance, whatever revenue path you go down, and there's one or two open to them uh, to to reinvigorate this squad, because fundamentally they finish on that points tally that you've projected there, or that statistical uh, model has projected. If they they end up with 63 points and they're around about 10th in the table then it will need to be root and branch. It, it it can't be sold to the fan base that we just need to tinker and there's a bit of surgery needed around the margins. I'm afraid it will have to be root and branch, and it will almost be that's the priority, then finding the finances to make that happen, rather than, well, yeah, we know it needs to happen, but we don't have the finances to do it, because I, I, I don't know how they're going to message that one out, because um, fundamentally, they, they really do, it feel like feels like, need to almost except that it's an end of an era for the, for this group of players and, and that a new era has to be put in place. And and that's why I would hope, okay, publicly they might not, you know, raise the white flag in terms of this season is done and dusted. But if it it, it looks like it's got to that point, then they need to start accelerating the plans and give them the biggest lead in they can to, to next season uh, uh, to reshape the squad, reshape a lot of what they're trying to do. Because it, it clearly, if it ends up at... Tenth in the table and sixty odd points. It hasn't worked or it isn't working anymore. They need to go again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sam, just to kind of end this this segment in terms of where Norwich City are at the moment. What do you think David Wagner will be taking out of this? Because I'm sure there's there's plenty of positives from his aspect as, as we talk about kind of moving forward. And, you know, he likes to play in a very specific way. He's someone who uh, wants to give direct messages to his players. We've spoken a lot since he's coming about clarity and the importance of that. And Jordan Hugill spoke about it when when I spoke to him around, around his exit and the importance of it and how players appreciate it. So... For him, uh, and again, like 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 we've discussed, it's not it's not impossible for Norwich City to reach the playoffs. That is still uh, a possibility in in terms of this season. It's just kind of in our view, it doesn't necessarily feel that it's going there. Um, some people may agree or disagree with that. Um, but what what can he take out of this period between now and the end of the season, irrespective of kind of outcome in, in in this
2: campaign around the group of players that he currently has? I think a lot of it will be transfer recommendations. To be honest, he. Um, doesn't seem like the sort of head coach, especially given the obvious sporting director model that we've become used to at Carra Road. Um, he doesn't seem like the sort of coach to be particularly involved in those sorts of things. But he probably is going to Stuart Weber and saying, "I need X number of players in Y position." Um, and I imagine that's what a lot of this season will be left doing. The fact that he's got to balance getting to know this squad with the task of trying to push them into the playoffs because as we spoke about earlier until it's mathematically impossible it's his job to try and force them into the playoffs until the end of the season but I imagine internally there's a little bit of confliction going on uh, and a little bit of um, balance in his head of how much he commits to improving this squad of players and sending them out every match with the right tactical instructions to try and amass enough points to push themselves back into that playoff mix and how much time he spends and how much effort and um, how much effort he puts into assessing this group of players and letting Stuart Weber know what he feels he needs in the summer because there's no doubt with a window um, coming up Wagner will be looking at things thinking about how this squad can be transformed and The way that things have happened at Norwich with cycles of players and these rebuilds have happened and the rebuild that obviously um, we'll speak about is that it tends to happen across a short period of time you have very clear windows where they're trying to get out as many players they don't want as possible and sign as many that they feel are going to be part of this project so for me if it was me in David Wagner's chair I'd spend the rest of the season probably in training but also in matches trying to decide which of these players I I feel were worthy and capable of being on this journey as Norwich tried to go back into the the Premier League. But I don't see this iteration of Norwich City achieving in the short term. I think he'll probably be quite realistic about that. And as much as he will have to balance that, as I said, um, there will be a focus from him and many of the people on the footballing side that perhaps aren't specifically responsible for the coaching who will be looking at how this can be addressed um, in future. So it's quite difficult. There are probably still tactical elements. He actually spoke in in his press conference after the game about the fact that he still feels they're learning as a team and they're still sort of learning his ways and the tactical things that he sees will still be improved in the short term. I'm sure he's still looking at things like pressing and how, how they move the ball and the movement. But for me, that's a secondary concern when things look so far away because as much as he speaks about these players learning, how long is it going to take? Because if it takes 10 games and we keep seeing that sort of performance for 10 more games, they're going to be out of contention by the time they achieve the levels he hopes to. So, yeah, I think it's about balance now and it's about admitting in his own head, obviously he won't come out and admit to us and in the public eye, but I think he's got to admit in his own head that there will be part of his job now about assessing things and how they're going to impact Um, the club going forward because investing all of his time in just trying to improve championship results for this season in my head would be relatively futile and a waste of a good chunk of games he's now got to be able to assess these players before they go into the inevitable um, rebuild in the summer but it, it will be difficult because He's got to now go and make recommendations to Stuart Webber and demand things and ask for things when there probably isn't a significant amount of money. There aren't too many saleable assets. And I think we've got a couple of questions about this. So maybe we'll come on to this. But for Wagner now, it's a really difficult thing to do because he's probably not going to get every wish that he'd like in the transfer market in the summer. So working out those priorities will be, um, will be sort of near the top of his list alongside obviously getting the best results as possible in the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a funny old place Norwich City find them find themselves in. Um, I'm I going to kind of come on to the, the questions now because we kind of skirted around this idea of a, of a rebuild. So it, so it might be worth encompassing a, a few of these questions. Uh, so thank you to everyone who, who sent them in. I'm just going to read a couple out that, that we, we, we've kind of already spoken about. Uh, Joachim Broberg has said on Twitter, statement, this squad is highly overrated by fans, by media experts, I presume he means us, which, you know, it's fine, and uh, by themselves, including board, staff and players. Um, and and I think we've already spoken about the disparity between kind of the expectation of of maybe what this group or the quality this group has to, to what we've seen on the on the pitch uh, this season. I mean, Alex has has, uh, has said if uh, if Norwich don't go up, just to what extent are we in financial ruin? Um, I, I think that's that's maybe slightly strong, uh, but we, we'll come back to to the finances involved in a moment. But but then there's there's kind of a few questions here about. Uh, this idea of a rebuild. Paul Frua has said, do you see a complete build in the summer under Webber happening? Bish has said, is there any chance that the board will accept that after three ex- successive managers have struggled to get a tune out of these uh, out of these signings and the players remaining? Maybe Stuart Webber may not have all the answers. So this kind of lends us to where we are now, Pad, and I'm going to kind of roll both Paul and, uh, and Bish's question into one, which is, and and we've referenced that kind of Alex Neal last season quite a lot, and 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 maybe because there is a lot of similarities in terms of how it's panned out. You had a group, as we said earlier, who were highly tipped to to get promotion at the first attempt, didn't do that. Who had a lot of players who everyone felt were 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 maybe better than than what they were showing on the pitch. Um, you had a manager that that maybe was was struggling, and and again, this is probably more on Dean Smith than David Wagner to be absolutely clear, but someone who wasn't able to get the best out of them um, at the time, and then you end up kind of where we find ourselves now which is this idea that something has to change and if you change the head coach it feels like a lot of the attention is going to go on to the players and again just to go back to, to that summer in, in 2017 Sebastian Bassong, Ryan Bennett, uh, Yusuf Malumbu maybe a, a slightly less example, Carl Lafferty, Declan Rudd, John Ruddy, Michael Turner, Stephen Whittaker, Graham Dorrance, Johnny and Jacob Murphy, uh, Tony Andrew there's the name but, but they, they, that was the, the players that left, the senior players that left that summer. It was a complete uh, root and branch, ripping up and starting again of the squad. Is that, is that where Norwich City find themselves at the moment? And, and just how much of this now is, is going to be put at Stuart Weber's door, given obviously the head coach change. So that kind of shield, as you said, is, is now completely non-existent.
1: Well as you were talking about that cycle and that period, that was clearly when Stuart Webber first walked in the door. Um, and we had this kind of hiatus where it was, Neil had gone, Alan Irvin took it on. And then of course we know Daniel came in at the start of, well, the summer for ahead of the new season. But I distinctly recall paraphrasing here, but Stuart Webber talking about the squad, the squad that he walked in to at Colney was too big, too bloated hunger had gone um, and they were on too, and there was too much too much money too many wages being sat in the stand every week and 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 that was driven of course by the fact that the finances were no longer going to be there and and that which is where maybe there is a parallel with what could happen this summer is that it was you know whatever his assessment of those individual players or the the group as a whole, It needed to happen because of the financial cycle. Um, But also, you know, there was a clear, and the fact that they finished where they finished, um, having been touted as this group were, there was a need to refresh it. There was a staleness. Alex Neil, I recall, actually, um, to add to that, with the passage of time and when he got back into work and he was asked about what happened at Norwich towards the end, he basically said he was too loyal, showed too much loyalty to that group who came back down with him from the Premier League, he needed to be more ruthless. He needed to say thanks for everything you've done. You've you've took us so far on this journey. I don't think this next part is going to feature you. And um, you know, then it's about untangling the financial elements, the contractual elements. I think we're going to be there again. And it's your Webber we're going to be driving that process, unless something was to change between now and the summer, where as they did maybe with Hugo. That's a pretty pertinent example. Of what could happen? Count well less so because we know there was a lot of other things in the mix there, but. Certainly with Hugel, David Wagner was openly uh, enough to admit that he wasn't going to feature, sat him down, told him that, told him you were fourth in line, I'm going to go with these other three strikers. There was the financial element as well, a player out of contract on decent money and the planets aligned and he was able to get himself a good move to Rotherham and get a bit of security for his family and obviously move back closer to his northern roots. I think that scenario will have to play out again with quite a lot of this existing squad. Um, And if it can be a a suitable win for all parties, all well and good. But I think Norwich might have to be quite brutal and Stuart Webber might have to be quite brutal because it does feel it it needs, to repeat what I said earlier, it needs a bit more than minor surgery. We might need to, uh, you know, to get the resource material out and um, and, and worry about some serious uh, turnover of players. And of course... There's imponderables in, in that process because uh, what happened, again, to repeat what I said earlier, with that player turnover, in came quite a considerable number of new players and it took a season to, to meld all that together. Will fans be willing to to buy a huge turnover? If if the byproduct, unfortunately, is it's going to take maybe another season to bed it all together? I'm sure they wouldn't. So that's the balance. That's where they've got to strike, strike a balance because you can guarantee at the start of next season, if it is championship football, Norwich need to be considered by their fan base as, uh, right, we can have a real good go now with this squad that's been put together. Um, so, you know, ultimately this will, a lot of this debate now will, will revolve around how successful they can be at refreshing the squad while retaining the quality they need, um, to be serious challenges for promotion. That's what, that's how they're going to be measured. And, um, you know, on the evidence of the last few transfer windows, you have to have concerns. You, you clearly have to have concerns because the right calibre of player hasn't arrived yet. They've spent considerable money for Norwich relative to Norwich. They've spent considerable money uh, in one window in particular, and and the squad isn't materially better. and And that is the concern that the same individuals will will be shaping this transfer strategy unless. There's, To repeat what I said, something was to happen um, between now and the end of the season. So, So ultimately, you know, there is going to be that concern, I'm sure, amongst an element of the fan base that, you know, going into a summer where it needs to happen, everything needs to be absolutely spot on in terms of what they do with the squad makeover. We can't have... And it's maybe a bit harsh to throw him in, but we can't have an Isaac Hayden type of summer again, unfortunately. And uh, and if they do, then the squad won't be any better. They won't be any further forward. And uh, and then, you know, ultimately, I think these debates around Stuart Weber and his suitability, they will continue and, and they will get louder and louder and louder. And, uh, of course, in the background is the whole issue and we have to keep re-emphasising it because... It's going to colour a lot of what it looks like moving forward. And that is the ownership and the shareholder mix and and the increasing influence that the Atanasio group are going to have on the direction of travel. So a lot of this is still quite hypothetical because until that element, at the upper echelons of the club is finalised and everybody knows right where Norwich are going now, short, mid and long term, then there has to be a degree of conjecture about what happens in terms of the football operation and who who's involved with the football operation and what it looks like and the financial elements around that. But you know, if 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 we're looking at this summer and and the the ownership element of it is as it remains, then fundamentally they're going to have to. Um, they're probably going to have to play a trade. They're going to have to play a trade for the first time really since Buendia. They're going to have to bring in some serious, substantial funds um, from assets. And for me, it's Aarons, it's Rashica, it's Actually, it's probably an upsell on Madison, who looks like he's going to be going from Leicester this summer. And there's a lot of clubs, I'm sure, would take him for lots of money. Norwich have the sell-on clause. I think those are three areas where they can generate funds. on know there's been talk about on Obama Daily. Whether that materialised something of that nature, but it's gonna take it's gonna take tens of millions of pounds in player sales, I feel, um, within the current financial environment to be able to 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 do the turnover that they want in terms of inward business. Um and that hasn't happened in the last two or three windows. So uh it isn't an exaggeration to emphasize that, you know, if it is Stuart Weber to remain at the helm. This summer is probably the most important summer of his uh, sporting directorship at Norwich City, I would say.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to actually ask you, Sam, a question that, that Gary Field has has sent in, which is irrespective of which league Norwich play playing next season, this summer requires a squad rebuild similar in magnitude to the summer of 2018, which we've discussed. And uh, obviously that all a real change of the core of the squad. And, and there's an argument to say that there's, Maybe a slight weariness in terms of what we're seeing now with with players who've been at the club for a long time, experienced lots of stuff with the club, and uh, and as Paddy said earlier, similarly to what Stuart Webster said in in 2017 when he arrived. Maybe there is an argument that that sort of hunger has uh, has gone, that that element and, and willingness to do well has has gone. But um, that's that's a different debate. Uh, Gary's finished his question um, just on on the points that Paddy ended on, on there really. But he said, given that the lack of of sellable assets and with the parachute payment. Uh, money already spent of course Norwich have, have kind of had to cover themselves with loans because of the recruitment that they did in in 2021 um, as such means that there isn't a huge amount of funds to spend and they've obviously covered themselves with with loans that they're confident that they can pay back with so so with all of that kind of context and um, with all that packed into Gary's question he said do Norwich have the resources to make those changes required because I guess that that becomes the next question if we're talking about rebuilds which I'm sure some people maybe will will feel is is some is maybe a reaction to what we've seen on Saturday. I actually feel like it's something that maybe has been murmured quietly for quite a quite a while, and maybe throughout this season. It feels now we're we're beginning to see it kind of bubble to to the top. But purely in terms of Gary's question, Sam, I mean, what what do you make of that? Do Norwich have the resources to to implement the changes required, especially with all the context that Paddy has just kind of wrapped in?
2: Yeah, I do agree to an extent because you look at probably the last two windows and they look like they could have done with a good amount of business in January which they didn't end up doing because of the finances even looking at the summer they could only really focus on the midfield and some significant investment in um, one or two players in that area in the summer so it's something that's probably been offset by the finances for the last year or so um, and that's been the reason we haven't we haven't seen a a rebuild just yet, and you worry about perhaps in the summer if that's needed, where is it going to come from? But the crumb of comfort I'd probably offer Norwich City fans at this juncture is that Stuart Webber's best work has actually been done under the strictest financial restraints. You look back at that summer of 2018 and those gems of recruitment, Taylor Pookie, Amy Buendia, even looking at the likes of sort of Mo Leitner and Mario Vrancic, who were sort of hidden gems that Norwich managed to unearth for minimal fees. um, They became really key players, as opposed to the sorts of players like Milo Rashica, who, you know, was a a £9 million arrival. Chris Schollis, a similar amount of money, and neither of them have really made much of an impact. Even Josh Sargent, you could argue, Norwich have overpaid for because they've ended up getting a pretty decent championship striker when you look at his statistical output so far. Um, so when you actually compare the amounts of money that Stuart Webber has paid for players, he's probably done far better under that sort of financial constraint. So it could be that without probably choosing these circumstances, Weber is forced into a scenario that actually creates the best conditions for him to be finding the best players for Norwich. Um, I know it will be more difficult because they haven't got the sort of lower league European route and that German second division route that they used quite a lot in the first few months and and years of weber's tenure um you know the sort of south american players it seems that perhaps it's it's easier to find 40 million players 40 million pound players for 10 million than it is to find 10 million pound players for 1 million which is what i suggest they were doing sort of in germany in those early years so it could be a slightly different challenge but you know weber's proved himself as a a sporting director who's capable of finding those gems before. And with his back against the wall, I think it may actually end up being a a slightly more productive scenario than it has been when they've got those funds to spend. Because as has been the criticism of Weber for a long time now, he had the biggest summer spend in the history of the football club and recruited very few players who were even capable of playing a, a significant part in the championship. So, I'd offer that as hopefully a sign of positivity. But as Gary says, you know, it's going to be very difficult because of those limited finances. We can talk about rebuild as much as we want, but it's going to rely on clubs being willing to buy those players. Obviously, that Madison route is something completely out of the club's control and they haven't got anywhere near as many saleable assets as they have in previous years. So it's going to be really difficult to raise those funds. But hopefully they can sort of return to the roots of the start of Weber's tenure, and hopefully manage to unearth some of those players who end up becoming cult heroes at Carrow Road. But I understand that that's a a very hypothetical situation, and just purely looking at the resources, it is quite a worrying one.
0: Yeah, and, and like you say, the conditions, if they were to go and rebuild this time, are different because of Brexit. As you touch upon, a lot of the avenues that they explored and, and, and really benefited from have been completely shut off. So those lower divisions in, in Europe, uh, obviously we, we saw it in Spain with Buendia, Germany, Luxembourg, even with, with Danel um probably aren't possible now. So so they're going to have to find different ways of, of completing that, whether that means more domestic players, which, as, as is the very nature, come at, uh, at more of a premium, particularly... Uh, in the current climate so that's very interesting but but also in terms of the outgoing element as again as you touch upon in terms of selling players but also to compare it to that summer in 2017 they're not in a position where they have a high amount of their high earners who are coming out of contract and they can just kind of uh, pull the axe down and, and cut that aside so that becomes very difficult in itself because then they are going to have to actively go and sell players and that's going to be difficult given the age and, uh, and profile of some of them and then, and then i guess pads i mean to, to to bring it back full circle to stuart webber really because it feels like again as he as was the case towards the end of last season increasingly if this season does peter out and go in the direction that it feels at this moment in time like it will again it's going to be him in the spotlight and it's going to be his decision making and his recruitment decisions that are going to be uh, that are going to be scrutinized and there will be some people Uh, Rightly or wrongly, and uh, and I'll leave that up to you to answer. I'm merely asking the question. I'm not suggesting either way. But there will be some people who who will suggest that actually, where Norwich City currently find themselves is very very similar to where they found themselves when he inherited. It's kind of a a back to the future element of where Norwich City are at this moment in time. So two part question really. How much pressure is he under at this moment in time, both internally and externally? And I guess B, the, the the second part of that question is there will be some people who who are questioning whether. Um, he is going to be capable of of producing and making the decisions required to to enact this kind of change that that we've been speaking about. So, what's kind of your thought process on that? Because we we've seen from the certainly two three of the questions that that we've kind of received in today from listeners, it does feel like it's going to be him that's in the spotlight from here.
1: Well, he will be absolutely categorically he will be because he is. He is the figurehead. He is the footballing figurehead. And um while he remains in, in his post, that will continue to be the case. And I think in terms of you asking me about his future and, you know, whether he is here, whether he is the right person to be, uh, fundamentally, um I think the fact that Wagner is was his head coach of choice, um, you know, that tells me he is planning to be, you know, the person who's here next season, and and who knows beyond, but I, I don't see him wanting to depart this summer because, as I think he said in that round of interviews, kind of when David was officially unveiled there um, early in January, that he has unfinished business, that he doesn't feel he's achieved everything he needs to achieve, um, and that was coming from Stuart Weber. So you know, without needing to put any words in in the guy's mouth, he he feels he still has a a job to do and. And I, I would take it that that job is getting Norwich in the Premier League again and sustaining him in there, whatever sustainability looks like in terms of longevity, but certainly beyond one uncompetitive season at a time. So if that's where his mindset is at and, and he's he's gone and recruited a guy you work closely with, who I'm sure would have wanted the same guarantees about where do you fit into this, Stuart? Where, where, where's your head at? Do, do you want to be in this, as I do, for, for the mid to longer term? I don't think Wagner comes in if if there was any uncertainty around Stewart's position uh, moving into this summer. So things can change, of course. And again, the caveat is what's happening sort of in terms of the the, the shareholding mix and, and how that could play out, and the speed it could play out, and the implications or or the byproducts that that could unleash. Um, but right here, right now, for me, he'll be there. He will be driving this, and he, you know, I, I think that the last one or two public sort of touch points that, that he's done media. I get the sense that he, you know, he has got a little bit of that kind of two seventeen bullishness about him back and that he, he does still fancy the job and he still wants to drive it forward and prove people wrong. Maybe that's in his makeup as well. You know, he is taking an awful lot of criticism. Um, and that on a, on a personal level, I'm sure is fuel and his motivation. And, um, but that's all, right, all well and good. He, he may have the desire to do it, but he has to do it. He has to deliver. He's judged by results and it depends what criteria you want to apply to judge him by. I mean, you're, you're sort of inferring there that the, there is a, there's a parallel with what he inherited. I think that they are in a better state, certainly financially, um, because of the situation with the Atanasios there in the background. I don't think it's quite the uh, uh, Armageddon situation that they faced when he walked through the door, but you could argue the, the squad situation he's faced with, where they are in terms of the footballing pyramid, all of those are very similar. Um, and and he won't, as he's as he's always said, he won't want to. Whenever he passes the baton on, he doesn't want to give his successor the hand that he was dealt. And and if that if there's any sense of that, then then I'm sure he would judge that as failure. So for all those reasons, I get the sense he's very much still bang up for the challenge. But. You're not, you're not wrong, Connor. Ultimately, any credit maybe that he'd built up on that sort of euphoric journey that him and Farker took the club on, I think that's probably been eroded now to the point where he is basically going to have to prove himself again. And and he probably quite likes that challenge. Um, and we'll see, you know, we'll see how creative he can be given the, the, maybe the financial juggling that we'll have to go on this coming summer. But there's no doubt about it, you know, the jury, I think, is now out in terms of his legacy at Norwich City and, and you know, measuring all the good positive elements with maybe the negative elements. I think that we're in the balance now in terms of where Stuart Weber and Norwich City sit. Um, but while he's still in post and while he's still got the the appetite to, to sort of uh, drive this forward again, then I'm sure he would back himself to, to sort of tip that scale in, in back into the positive levels of where it was, certainly 2019. Probably again, you know, when they, they got promotion the second time around. Um, so it's going to be really, really quite fascinating to see how that particular facet of this plays out. You know, Stuart Weber, can he? You know, if, if people have written him off and, and feel he's a busted flush, and it's time for a change, let's see. Uh, let's see if he can uh, if he can shift the narrative there. That, that's that's a, that's a very intriguing subplot almost to how this so proper could unfold in the summer.
0: Yeah, and you're right. He has he has done it before. He has been in this situation before uh, and done it. And and you could probably say, to, to, OK, to a different extent, but certainly churned the squad at Huddersfield before and overseen that uh, and brought success with, obviously, Norwich City's current head coach. He's improved the training facilities, all of that context that we, we have to wrap in. I think all, all two points that I would add, just to close off this debate, really, which is, uh, and we we speak about kind of Monday's EGM, which we've not really discussed in detail because I think we've kind of spoken to death about it really, um, and we've kind of spoken about that in in other podcasts. We're expecting that to go through, uh, and what that will do if it goes as we expect, and and, and those shares are are uh, eaten up by by Mark Atanasio, then and the club statement alluded to this really. It was about securing the long term future, so that should hopefully um, reduce the level of external debt that the club have at this moment in time. That should therefore by virtue, give them a little bit more wriggle room to, to operate in in the summer if they did want to churn the squad. And I think you could also look at other examples of championship um, squads, um, Millwall and Luton, I guess, at the moment, who, who I understand a Perhaps not the sexiest comparisons, but they're two examples of of clubs at this moment in time who are working on an extremely limited budget and yet consecutively managed to compete towards the top end of the championship table. Right, maybe not right at the at the summit, but certainly in, in in kind of that playoff picture, which I ultimately I guess is is probably where we're now going to be talking about Norwich City. Maybe even next season, maybe even lower than that, um, depending on, on on how the uh, the expectation goes and, and the extent of that. Um, just finally, then chaps i mean two games this week hull on, on tuesday and wigan on saturday if Norwich city are to revive any kind of playoff push sam start with you points it feels like i'm going to go with six it feels like it, it's going to take two wins in order to to kind of shift the the feeling more than anything else
2: yeah i'm going to say six the time's gone now for accepting four points and things like that it's, it's almost too late so i think yeah six
1: pad same has to be, has uh, to be, you know, four points off Watford, who are in sixth place at the minute. Anything less, um, then I think we probably have our answer where we need to sort of train our focus in terms of the summer and beyond.
0: Yeah, agree, Paddy, Sam. Thank you very much. I understand that that maybe, maybe wasn't the most upbeat listen in the world for you guys, but hopefully we've we've offered some kind of insight or uh, analysis on where we where we can. We 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 always try and call it as we see it. I think it's uh, it's never. Us uh, delving in in the realms of being too negative. It's just trying to reflect our feelings, but also the feelings of the wider fan base as well, which uh, I feel have been have been hit somewhat after after that defeat to to Bristol City. Of course, we could all be proven wrong, and Norwich City may well go on an unbeaten run towards now till the end of the season. Sorry, and uh, and work their way into the playoffs and get up at Wembley, and and uh, nobody would love that more than us. But uh, it just doesn't feel like that's where this season is heading plenty more analysis plenty more reaction of course on pinken.com you can get your free trial for the Pinken Plus app come and join us over there if you haven't done already you can uh, speak to us in Q&A's you can follow match blogs there's exclusive columns content uh, you're really missing out if you're not over there so so do go and check that out and um, we will speak to you after weekend next weekend which uh, I think is is, is going to be an interesting week now two games one at Coward Road where Norwich City haven't been particularly great at and another one on the road so Uh, Yeah, certainly interesting times, maybe not necessarily for the right reasons, but we will, of course, uh, follow every kick between now and the summer. Thank you very much for listening. See you again very, very soon.